Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Well, I'm going to be sharing on a topic that we've all experienced. And you'll see what it is. But when I share this topic, we realize that we can always trust in God's goodness and kindness because that is the key. So what I'm sharing on is David's keys to growing and God's call for our lives, even during the tough or the mundane times. So we've had some really great preachers on the series looking at the life of David. So this morning I'm going to keep on that theme. A lot of scriptures are going to be from David, from Proverbs, what, is, what Solomon learned from David. And we're going to go on a bit of a journey. But there's two keys that I want you to remember as you go through this. Can someone bring up the next slide? Because we're all going to focus on these two things. And these are going to be like what are called like the two keys that we have to keep on running through our minds as I go through this preach. And I'm going to remind you as well. So it'll be a bit of a test as we go through. So the first one is to live in worship and awe of God. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. I'm taking this from the Passion Translation. It's one of my new favorite translations. Um, it says, Trust in the Lord completely and not in your own opinions. Both all your heart rely on Him. Sorry, is this echoing? Is that better? Closer. There we are. Not in your own opinions, but with all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in all the decisions you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. This is still not working. Okay. And then the second one is live to bless people. Proverbs 11.25. He says, the one who lives... To bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Who's the one that also poured out his life for us? That was Jesus, yeah. So what are the two keys? One is live in worship and awe of God. The second key is live to bless People And what does it remind you of? The, what are the two big commandments that Jesus said in the New Testament? He said one is love God with all your heart. And the second one is love your neighbor. So as we go through the series of, of David, we see that almost David in, in many senses foreshadows the life of Jesus. He kind of caught the heart of Jesus. And that's a key thing when we look at David's life. So... Today, some more themes we're going to look at, but I'm still getting to my point. But one thing we need to think about is that God has a unique call on each of our lives. We, we saved into God's family, but we also saved uniquely because God created us to have a unique call. He has a unique vision and he has a unique plan because it says everybody in the, each part of the body plays its Role, And so we've got to understand and actually have faith and understand that, yep, God has a call for me and a plan for me. And what I do in this body and this life actually impacts the whole. 
and if my part is, is falling behind, it impacts everybody. When I'm going for it, but the good news is um, God also, let's actually look at John 6.66. Very interesting verse. You know, like, why are you reading this one? John 6.66 says, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Wow. Why would I want to share that? And remember when Jesus was sharing some hard truths and you know, people didn't like it and they left. And then when Jesus said he was going to the cross, what did Peter say? No, 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 don't do that. But what if Jesus had listened? What if he had preached the popular preach? What if he had listened to Peter? But Jesus knew the call and the vision on his life. And he knew that God was leading him. And he knew the purpose of what he had to do. And when you look at um, Jesus, and you look at Paul, at the end of their lives, they were not the most popular guys. They did not win the popularity contest. There were not many people standing at the cross when Jesus died. And Paul talks about Timothy, my beloved son. But you know what? Jesus' decision to go to the cross had eternal consequences. That was the greatest thing he did for all of us when he died on the cross because Jesus came and set us free and brought us back into covenant. If Paul had not written those messages, we wouldn't have had a lot of the New Testament. What if we left us a watered down, wishy-washy, popular gospel? So the good news is Jesus looks at our lives with eternity. And so we can't look at our short-term things and say, oh my goodness, I'm not popular. We got to look at God has an eternal perspective. And it's beyond just this 80 or 100 years we live on earth. God says there's a plan for eternity. And God, we can trust God to mold our lives and prepare us. Because he wants that unique gifting and calling to come through. But there's also seasons of struggle and obscurity. And we'll, as we go through this preach, we'll see that sometimes through these seasons of, of struggle and obscurity... Sometimes the greatest fruit comes in our lives and also helps us live and focus on Him and realize He's the audience of one that we live for. And then a final piece here, we're going to find out that looking at David, our private victories, what we do in private helps us in public. So what are the two key things again? Love. Sorry, live in awe and worship in awe and live to bless people. Okay. The good news, as Krishna was sharing what came through the worship, God really loves us. And our confidence is not in ourselves, our confidence is in God. And I want to read through um, Hebrews 13 5 to 6. And I have my large print, so I don't need any glasses to, to see. Um, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let's look at, it says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And we look at Deuteronomy 31, 6. It says there, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. 
For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you, and he will not fail you or forsake you. That is where our confidence is. Our confidence is in God's covenant with us. Not in our covenant with God. This is God's idea. And so God said, you'll not desert us. You won't forsake us. He's our helper. He goes with us. He does not fail us. And then also the New Testament talks about Jesus is at the right hand of the Father doing what for us? He is interceding for us. And he says he's continually interceding for us. Because Jesus wants to see things come through in our lives. So our confidence is in God. And then also we, you know, when um, David got anointed by Saul, not Saul, Samuel, um, we got anointed by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, as you see in Acts 1.8. So we have even a greater anointing than David. David had an anointing as a standalone. We all, when we come into Jesus, are anointed and called. We are kings and priests before our God. But, there's the big but. But, the uncomfortable mystery. And so I'm going to read a scripture now. You can, I think some of you might know what that scripture is. And we kind of don't like reading this scripture. In Hebrews 5, 7 to 9, I'm going to read it. It says, and this is talking about Jesus. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect... It became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. And because of that, he became to all of those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. So even though we read all this great stuff, we see that even Jesus went through times of preparation. And God knows how to prepare our lives. And it's not always the wonderful things. We don't, when we read this, we're like, Ugh, I know it's good. But we really don't want to understand the scripture. And we never put our hands up and say, hey God, take me through this time. You know? Take me through a bit of a tough period. But I think God in his wisdom doesn't show us these things, otherwise we'd run away. I remember when we felt Nancy and I, Nancy's from Chicago, and I met her in South Africa, and we felt to move back to the States. And we had so many confirmations and just with the leaders that we were there and just dreams and that kind of thing. But if I knew the struggle for those next seven months, I would not have come. But God is wise. He didn't show me what I was going to go through for those next seven months. But I remember six months into it, I was ready to like, I'm off to England because I'm English, I'm British, I'm everything, I'm a bit of a mutt. But um, I'm like, I'm off to England I've had it. I'm not going to get a work. I'm not going to get a job. I didn't even get a single interview. Couldn't even get to an interview. And then finally, I remember one day saying, God, you called me here. If I go and pack bags at a store, I will stay because you've called us here. And I think Nancy and I, I got called for an interview the one day, and the exact same day that night, she got called for um, a position. 
So for nothing for six months, on the same day, I'm off for an interview, she starts work. But if I'd known that before and saw myself living in a basement for seven months in a not the best situation, I would not have come. But you know what? It certainly built character, helped me to trust in his goodness and his leading. And we know we have a call to be in this nation. And this is where it comes with David. When we look at David, David went through some struggles, and we're going to look at that now. But we see with David, he trusted God's character. He trusted God's leading. And so now let's take a bit of a journey with David. What I call lessons from hanging with the sheep. We had Joseph, and at this point, I'm thinking, David's thinking, I rather would have had some of Joseph's childhood anointing. Joseph was the favorite son. Joseph got the coat. Joseph got boasted about. David had the sheep. His, his father didn't even know, didn't even call him when the prophet asked for all the sons. He didn't even bother to call his youngest son. And when he did call him, he didn't say, he said, oh, my son. Didn't even mention the name David. And in those days, watching sheep was kind of the bottom of the totem pole. It was not the fancy place to be, sitting in the middle of nowhere, watching a couple of sheep wander around and having to bring the sheep back together again, and then they wander and bring them back. None of his brothers were fighting to get that position. So he was pretty obscure, and he wasn't even the youngest favorite son either. So... When we look at this, and I'm, I'm just taking, if you want to read through 1 Samuel 17, um, what did David learn in this obscure season? We look at Psalm 23, I think, came out of this. David learned that the Lord is a shepherd and the Lord is looking after him. Now, if you can look after sheep and give your life for sheep, I think God is training him to look after people. Because if you can look after some stinky sheep running around the desert, you can watch people. Especially David. He just didn't do it casually. He gave his life for the sheep. For even though that was his little task on the lowly totem pole, he took it as if it was God's call in his life. And he did it faithfully and the best. And he even gave his life for those sheep, potentially. But then God... As a king, he was willing to give his life for that nation to look after people. He learned to live in faith and not in fear. I know he gives the example of the lion and the bear, but I'm sure it was first sitting out there at night by himself, then it was the fox and maybe the squirrel, and then it was the wolf, and then it became the bear, and then it became the lion. But you know what? By being out there, when you're in the wilderness, it's pretty alone. But as he looked and protected those sheep, he had one victory. And he was like, oh, God's faithful. He had another victory. Oh, God's faithful. And finally he was killing the lion. And that prepared him to trust God. It built faith in him, in those mundane tasks where no one was looking. We see that he had to learn. He learned to ignore the accusing voices. The first thing he did when he went to help us take... um, 
food to his brothers. They're like mocking him. Why are you here? You know, he had to learn to distinguish the voices of which were God's voices and what were not God's voices and not let those voices drive his life. He also learned how to worship in God's presence with no props. There was nobody around watching him. And he just learned to live in God's presence in the desert place. There was no temple that he was in, strumming away. He was out in the fields. And that's where we get those incredible psalms. He, he built that, that, um, the character there of worship. He understood God's presence being out there by himself. The other thing is he learned how to lead himself when nobody was looking. He could have been the average shepherd. But he wasn't. He gave his life for the sheep. He learned to lead himself when others were not even interested in his life. When he lived in that obscure place, he had a higher call. He had an understanding of God. And he's like, you know what, what other people think? And me being in the obscure position is not going to define me. And with no one looking, he built this character. What's the only thing David learned? Let's read um, 1 Samuel 17:47. It says, "And all this assembly, and this is David, may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into your hands." And David learned that battling the lion and the bear because you don't beat that with your natural hands and a stick but he saw God's faithfulness and he saw that the battle he learned the battle belonged to God he also learned another very important thing that we are co-laborers with God it's all God but we got to come and do our part so he knew that when that Philistine came and Goliath came he knew that the battle was God's but he knew he had to pick up his, his rod and his stones and also walk out there as well. But he knew the battle was God's. And he learned that in the desert. Protecting sheep. So he understood the Father's heart. But, another but, this is full of buts. And this is a piece of fault God was showing me when I was first started preparing and then I had to build things around it. But this has come to peace. Um, you know, God can open doors Sorry, God opens doors whilst we are doing the mundane. Whilst we faithfully submit to the leaders over us, the circumstances over us, God is the one, you know, can open up to the miraculous. So let's read through 1 Samuel 17, 17 to 18. It says, and then Jesse, now you think this is exciting. Then Jesse said to David his son, take now your, to your brothers an epa of roasted grain and these ten loaves and run to the camp of your brothers. Now you're like, why am I reading that scripture? It's not very exciting. Well, that's exactly what David must have thought. This is not very exciting. This is not life-changing. This is pretty mundane. 
hey, can you go take some lunch to Steve? Yeah, exciting. But what did it do? If he had not taken that lunch, would he have come into that situation with Goliath? Would he have had that situation with getting favor to go and fight Goliath? By him being faithful in private and preparing in private and doing everything in private, even the mundane stuff and just keeping his heart right before God, what happens? He walks into a situation where even his brothers say, what are you doing here? Go away. We don't need you. But preparation in private prepares us for great opportunities, but we never know when those opportunities are going to come. All we can do is be faithful with what's in front of us. And keep our eyes focused on the two things. What are those two things? All with, live in awe of, and worship of Jesus, and we be a blessing to others. Because it's um, interesting thing I said, larger the call, the greater the preparation. And sometimes we don't know how big the call is on our life. And all we can do is prepare. David had no idea that shortly he'll be holding Goliath's head. He had no idea. But you know what? His victories in private prepared him for the victories in public. And you know what? If we can have victories in private, it protects our heart when we have the public breakthroughs. Has already mentioned this. In tough seasons, as I said we need to stay focused in awe of God and bless people. But there's also times, and I read this, one Samuel twenty three, fifteen to seventeen. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life, while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David Horesh. And in, what did he do? He encouraged him in God. And Jonathan said to him, Do not be afraid, because the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. And Saul, my father, knows that also. So it's not like we're living in la-la land because sometimes when we go through these struggles like David, as John had said to him, don't be afraid. Be encouraged. It means that David was pretty discouraged at that point. He was also afraid for his life. And sometimes when we're going through struggles, we don't always know what's going on. It's not always hunky-dory and pleasant. You know, I wish it was. But what we see here from David is he needed encouragement at times. And that's what I'm saying. We need to as the body for each other. Sometimes we don't look that pretty when you're going through hard times. And it's easy to judge. But you know what? Like Jonathan, we need Jonathans during that time. And we're not talking about every single minute, every single prayer meeting, getting prayer, getting prayer, getting prayer. There are seasons where we get more prayer. But at times you have to cultivate that relationship ourselves in private. But at times we need the Jonathans to remind us of the call and remind us of what God's plan is for our lives. Because sometimes these seasons can sometimes be longer than we expected or hoped. 
And we need people who are not like, yeah, yeah, maybe you missed it, or maybe whatever, or, you know, yeah, God just has it in for you. But to remind us, to stir our hearts afresh, get that prophetic word, yes, God has a call for you. Don't forget your plan. Don't forget your call. And my father, like Saul, he knows that you're going to be king. Even though you don't feel very kingly right now and your situation is horrible, running around the desert, potentially being killed all the time. And then we see, you know, with David, had many opportunities to kill Saul and get there quickly. Like Jesus, when he got tempted by Satan, there was a quick way to the call. Just worship me and I'll make you ruler straight away. You don't have to go to the cross. Same here with David. He could have just killed Saul and become king, but maybe he might not have become king if he killed Saul because he could have set things in motion he might not have known. But he knew that God was in control. And that's where our faith is, isn't it? like David, that God's in control. But it also needs people in the body like us to be the Jonathans and to speak life when we feel pretty deathly at times. So I want to encourage us Let's keep our hearts on that. Let's keep our eyes open for people. Let's say, God, what are you saying to people? Because sometimes even a small word can really change a situation. I remember um, there was a season where Nancy and I, and certain things didn't happen, and there was a whole lot of stuff happening, and certain doors didn't open, and I, I know I was pretty discouraged. And I didn't understand it. And then I remember just saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm not here to push my own path. I'm not here to make my own door open like David, you know. And I said, God, you know what the most important thing? And this wasn't an easy conversation. It took a bit of working out through a few weeks. But we've got to make the decisions first. Decisions first, then actions follow. Then we work it out. Um, it's like forgiveness. We don't process forgiveness. We forgive somebody because Jesus forgave us. Outworking the forgiveness might be a bit of a process, but not the decision to forgive. And it's the same thing here. And so we just made the decision that we're going to keep our eyes on Him and we're going to keep on focusing and blessing people. And you know, when we look back at that one season... We just see so much stuff that opened up in terms of the miraculous things, keys in deliverance, keys in setting people free, just keys of keeping our heart clean and right before God. Just, it was just a, a, an amazing thing to look back and to see God's faithfulness. And so we keep our eyes on those two things. Even when we don't, I remember um, like a year ago, I was really struggling with tiredness. So something that was not clicking very well in my body. And it was a tough time at work. And I remember people came up for prayer and the last thing I felt like doing was praying because I was exhausted. I wasn't feeling particularly anointed. But we are called to be a blessing to others. And you know what? During that season, I think I saw so many incredible miracles just by being faithful and wanting to be a blessing to others. So we can be there. That's not to blow my horn over, but it, I mean, it wasn't easy. I remember times and somebody coming over and they asked us to really pray because I was struggling. I remember going up my room and saying, God, you better show up because I don't feel like I should be here. 
not that there's sin or anything like that, I'm not talking about that, but where you just don't feel just prepared to tackle tough situations and then to see God's faithfulness and seeing the prophetic release in ways like, where on earth did that come from? Where did that word come from that breaks situations open? But we can trust in God's covenant. We can trust in His leading. When we put our heart before Him and say, God, you know what? I put you first. I don't care about my circumstances. I'm going to bless people. You know what? God comes through. His covenant is there. He's covenanted with us. So, so I was going through and I thought, okay, let's find what the smartest guy in the world said about his dad. So we now want you guys to, yeah, next one. We're going to read this together. Because all this, all these scriptures are based on living in worship and awe of God. But I didn't want to make the whole thing super long, but I just cut out. So I want us, this, us all to read this together. So let's do the first one. Proverbs 10, 27. It says, life of worship and order, awe brings you years of contented living. Proverbs 10, 25. Living in worship and awe of God, he is a secure... Oh, so there are times in our lives that are tough? Hmm. But he is a secure anchor. Living worship and awe helps bring wisdom. Worship and awe given eyes to see with spiritual discernment and ears to hear from God. Wow. Just as we focus on him, he gives us wisdom. Gives us spiritual discernment. Gives us ears to hear what the Father is saying. And that could be in any season. But the focus is keeping our eyes on Him. Proverbs 21, 21. We will find all their dreams come true. Proverbs 21, 21. An abundant life drenched with favor. So it's just, when I look at this, as a a word is coming through this morning, it's just God's favor on our lives. God is so good. He is always, always watching out for us. Always. And just remember that we are living, when He looks at us, we are living from eternity. He looks at us from eternity. And we can take confidence that He knows the beginning of our life, He knows the end of our life, and He walks through our mistakes we make as well. Even when we do make mistakes, we can always go back to Him because God is a restoring God. He can take everything we've done wrong and we turn to Him, turn it to good. There's nothing that we can do in our life that God cannot restore and turn to good. He said, for those that love Him, He'll turn things to good. And we can trust in that. And He is so good. So in conclusion, we can't shorten our seasons. As I said, we don't know when these seasons are coming. I mean, who's been fooled before thinking you're going to go into a great time and you realize it's not quite that great? I remember getting off the plane and like, here I am, earning American dollars, here I go. Well, it took a bit longer. I had almost zero left in my bank balance by the time I started working. And if you ever try to 
find and rent an apartment or buy anything or do anything or get a car if you have no credit history. That was pretty fun. And then going to interviews and they're like, you're from Africa? Uh, Yeah. You knew where that interview was going (laughs) quickly. But let's just keep on realizing, keep our eyes on Jesus. Remember, Jesus came to serve. We discussed in the beginning, he came to serve. So if Jesus came to serve, our greatest blessing is to serve. When we are serving, we at least be knowing what the most important thing that Jesus did. He came and he served people. So when we're serving, at least we know we're on the right path. And doing something right. We might not be clear where our future is going, but if we are serving, we know we're at least doing what Jesus did, and that's a good place to be. And it doesn't mean we have to have everything, and you know, some of us are stronger in different things. It could be a matter of taking someone for coffee. It could be slipping $10 into somebody's Bible because you know they're struggling a bit. It could be just writing a note to Steve and saying, hey, I really appreciate the way you've led this church. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be the big stuff. And just, um, let's not miss the opportunities in the mundane and in the private things. You know, sometimes we need that bit of that grit to say, you know what? I feel like this, but I don't live by feelings. My, the situation might not have changed, but you know what? I'm going to battle for this one. If I have to go out and pray every 10 minutes at work until I see victory, I'm going to stand on that. I get really nervous praying this, preaching this stuff. Um, because I also found out this week a whole new depart- our departments are reporting to a Canadian operation. Never a good thing sometimes to have foreign bosses. Um, but the thing is, what's my reaction? I've got to trust that he's in control. And you know, at first I'm like, <gasps> you know, we've, we've seen some of the history, but you know what? You're allowed to have the, <gasps> but then we can say, but God is in control. And we've got to take comfort in his covenant and his promises over our life. And the last thing is, why was David remembered? He's remembered as a person after God's own heart. He wasn't remembered for all his mighty victories and all that kind of stuff. He was remembered for a person after God's own heart. So it's okay, you know, we don't all look have the same lives and the same you know, situations, but God looks at our heart. And that's what, he, that's what he gives us, good and well done, faithful servant. He looks at those things. Were we a person after his heart? Was our desire to chase after the things that he chased after? So that's, Christian, you want to come and close? And just as Christian was coming up, I just really felt that, just recently, just feeling a real sense of Seasons breaking for people, and you know where doors are being closed, or we're just—you know what I mean—stuck in the rut somewhere. Just a real sense of just let's trust God for you know those doors to come. So even though we've been plugging away at the mundane or just being faithful in situations, let's just trust Him for like David those situations where God comes 
but only God comes and something opens up. Thanks. Awesome. Um, let's stand to, to close. <clears throat> Thanks, Chris. That was beautiful, beautiful word. Thank you. Live in worship and awe of God. Live to bless people. Worship and awe of God. Live to bless people. I love how we got into that dynamic of how David, while going to serve his brothers, ends up positioning or finding himself in the position of that public demonstration of what he learned in private. And you know what? His private time with God was not target shooting to kill giants. Sometimes we think that our preparation is, is literally like target practice. I, I think I use sports illustrations way too often, but that was my obsession as a youth. I would spend just hours basically doing target practice so that like, when I got that opportunity getting pulled off the end of the bench, I could do exactly what I was doing in, in private. That's such a weak illustration because David wasn't doing target practice to kill Goliath. David was spending time with his father. That was, his, that was his preparation, to kill a giant. He was, never, he was never preparing to take out giants. He was just spending time with his father. I think some of us need to be reminded of what preparation looks like. It's not aiming for that promotion or aiming to overstep the people that seem to be in our way. It's spending time with your father and with the heart of a servant. Like you said, it's what positions us to demonstrate what the Father's like. David was the most offended person in all of Israel at Goliath's words against the living God. Offense of the heart is not a wrong thing, except when it's not God's offense. So amazing. His heart literally was so in tune with God's heart that he could be offended when it was time to be offended, and he could love when it was time to love. That's what the body is called to do. It's the, it's the most wonderful, safe place in the world. So, Father, we, we ask that this morning. Thank you for that incredible word that you spoke through Chris this morning, God. Thank you that we are privileged to be those who worship and serve. Worship and serve. I pray that we take that to new measures in our life. Thank you for the people that are going to be impacted and see a demonstration of what you're like through us. Thank you that all of our past, all of our mistakes, all of our lousy demonstrations of you are silenced with the authentic demonstration of what you're like. That we break free of the way we've messed up <laughs> in the past, and we declare over, uh, over ourselves today, God, we declare that we are a people who've been bought with a price, who are the demonstration of what Jesus is like to the world. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, so we're going to wrap up this morning. Uh, we had some, some amazing words come through in the prayer time. And I just want to encourage you guys uh, uh, to come forward. What was your name again? Vlad. Okay. I, I would like Vlad to come forward with Chris. They're going to be up here. Um, if you have anything in your body that you need a miracle... 
in. I want you to come and have uh, Vlad pray for you. And this is a demonstration, not because he's someone special. He's just as special as all of us. I love the fact that last week was your first week here. So it's not like he's been through our training program of how to pray for the sick and that sort of thing. While we believe in that, you know, everyone that we have on our ministry team, we, we, uh, we take through training and make sure that they, we all have the same heart. But the, the concept is, is that he's got a testimony of what God is doing. And the best way to, to latch on to what God wants to continue to do is to take hold of what he's already done. And so I, I'd love to see uh, um, those of you come forward and have him pray. Um, and then the rest of our ministry team would love to pray for you guys this morning. Um, a couple things that, that uh, we'd like uh, specifically to hone in on. Uh, there was a, a word for, for heads, either um, headaches or even right thinking. If you're having trouble just in your thought life, or even specifically like conditions of the head, um, come forward. We'd like to pray for you with that. Um, if you've got back pain, maybe specifically lower middle back pain, come forward. We'd love to pray into that for you. And then um, I just felt forgiveness this morning. We've been touching on that quite a bit of late, and I don't think God's done yet. If you're still um, harboring an instance where you just want to partner with, with uh, the body to pray into a, a process of forgiveness for someone or even yourself. We'd love to partner with you in that, okay? So stick around. If you're visiting with us, please don't rush off. Have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you next week.